Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. You can also find us at our website, adoptionthemakingofme.com. And please remember to subscribe, share, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Louise. Welcome back. We have a new book we're reviewing today, a new memoir. Yeah, and I guess we're not quite reviewing it so much as just kind of finding themes throughout Mm -hmm. the book. We're doing themes and it's going to be, here we go. I'm going to show it for you too. This is Who Am I Really by Damon Davis. And he was our season one, episode 10 guest where you can literally hear the book and his interview. So it's kind yes. of, everybody should be encouraged to go and listen to Almost it. Almost literally you can hear <laughs> the book and his interview. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and we encourage everybody to listen to that. So you kind of feel like, oh, I know Damon as we're talking about this. And we tackled the first six chapters and we're calling this kind of origins. Like, wh- yeah, you know, we're kinda... adoptees, the, the theme of origins weaving through. Right. Because the first part of the book is him kind of introducing everybody involved in this adoption triad. So we start off with him and his birth name, which was Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of goes into the circumstances, but I felt this, you know, it is all about origins. You know, I feel like in the book, he wanted to just get the stuff out, but I listened closely for mm-hmm. underlying stuff that yeah. might drift through. I thought about you and I, when we first started this podcast, how I would have read this book and how I read it now, mm-hmm. maybe all books, maybe all memoirs and of adoptees, you mean of adoptees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not all yeah. Memoirs. And <laughs> all memoirs. <laughs> and just listening to the undercurrent first, his name was Michael. Then he gets renamed Damon. And just that alone, I was thinking, you know, we all start off as these different beings And we're adopted into homes with strangers, literally. And you have a name change, which is not everybody has had a name change, but most adoptees has had a name change. And it's sort of like, okay, one person was born, another person is now Mm -hmm. becoming that it's like that sliding doors. And he said a little bit about it, but I could feel it even in his writing, the undercurrent of it. Well, and then I even highlighted, because that's where I could feel this undercurrent. Mm -hmm. We're talking about and his birth mother. And when she went to have him, she said, you know, when she told her sister that she was pregnant, her sister was like, you can't, we can make this work. Let's keep this baby, you know, was her sister. And she said, Addie was very upset with her younger sister for keeping her pregnancy a secret and for putting me up for adoption. She was incredulous that Anne thought it was a better plan to have the child adopted by strangers than to find a way to raise and love the child herself. Mm-hmm. The sister, actually, the modern thinking of what you should try to keep the baby in the family. Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of reaction to that, too, because my biological mother was also somebody who chose to put me up for adoption. I say choose lightly because her circumstances were such there weren't great choices, right? But my aunt did want to adopt me. And I read a letter about that where she was like, what do you mean? We'll take her, you know, the whole, it was the same sort of situation. Yeah. It struck a chord, actually. So, 
There was a little paragraph I highlighted that I wanted to read. I think this book maybe was written for people who never have read anything by an adoptee or know much about it, but it's common in infant adoptions for the adoptive parents to change the birth name their son or daughter was given to a new name. That practice helps for better or worse to de-identify the child. That was the word that got me. De-identify the child from their prior life and attempts to bond the child to their new parents, their new identity. Some children destined for adoption are never given a birth name, so the name they grew up with as an adoptee is the only identity they've ever had. When Anne gave birth to me, and for the first five months of my life, my name was Michael. When I was adopted, my parents named me Damon. And that's, and then they said something like, that's who I became, Damon, right? Yeah, or that's who I am. That's who I am, Damon. Yeah. Who am I really? Yeah, who am I really? Yeah, that's pretty profound. I mean, I think as we're trying to go forward in this podcast and continue the narrative for adoptees. These are the things that maybe non-adoptees don't realize or people just in the world that don't know much about adoption. We spoke to someone who today who's like, I don't know about that, any of this world. And so Mm -hmm. the first thing is, if you think about it, you even people try to keep the names when they have the dogs. If they've had them for a while, you try to keep that name. It's like, it's just a strange thing we do in this whole adoption world. It's like wanting to make something yours, you know, like I'm guilty. I thought my dog was younger when I got him and it turns out he was older. And this was pre doing all this work we've done. I like, I gave him a name that I wanted to give him. And now I wouldn't do that. I don't think. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The whole correlation. You yeah. know, the... <laughs> <laughs> but it does make me think of things, you know, you, you sit there and analyze like, this is so weird when you really get into it. It's, it's, a... It is when you really like sit and think about, oh, okay, we took this baby from someone else, renaming it. There was no life before this life for this baby. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's kind of an absurd thing when you think it about is. it. It's absurd. It is. I mean, it's like bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> well, our guest coming up today, she has a lot of origin story too. Like a lot of this will tie into actually what we're talking about. So everybody needs to read next week. You know, if you're keeping up with us, we've done the first six chapters of Damon's book and we're going to post it in our show notes, obviously. So you can find the book easily and make sure to listen to his episode. I just think hearing it from his voice is like, yeah, it's a powerful episode. It is. And also remember to subscribe to our podcast. If you don't, if you're just listening, great, but we'd love it if you would subscribe. Appreciate that. It helps us. All right. right. See you in a few. See you in a few. Bye. Bye. Hi, listeners. We just wanted to thank our sponsor, S12F. He's a fellow adoptee dedicated to supporting other adoptees. And of course, we want to thank our Patreons. We couldn't do this weekly podcast without your support. We're so happy to be able to get these important stories out there. Thanks again. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Now back to our guest. Hello, welcome to another episode. Really excited to introduce today's guest. We had to reschedule, so I'm glad we finally found the time that works. And you found us by listening to our podcast and just reached out to us, and which we love. That is really the best way that it happens. So I'd like to introduce Charity Elliott. Hi, Charity. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Hi, Good to Charity. see you guys. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. 
Well, as I just told you guys, your podcast has been really, really impactful to me. And I've learned so much just listening and y'all make it fun. So I've appreciated it. Thank you. Well, we try, we do try to (laughs) put some levity in. How are you connected to adoption? We know you're an adoptee. Tell us like your journey here. So, and I may jump around a little bit. There's There's a lot of different directions to go here. So I was adopted in LA County in 69. And apparently for the first three months I was in foster care, my birth parents were not married. I think he was significantly older than her. And so got to my adopted parents, always knew I was adopted, like from the beginning. I don't even remember when they told me. So it was just always something of you're special, you're a gift, you know, God placed you in our family. And that was kind of my story. As I was growing up, I never thought too much like negatively at all. They spoke very highly of my birth mom, just, you know, how much she loved me. So I had that story. And, you know, the the earliest memory probably of me kind of realizing something's different here is uh, I have an older brother that is a biological, is their biological son. So I think typical, they had my brother, then they had a couple of miscarriages and then they decided to adopt me. And we were all sitting around with some friends and they were talking about my brother and how his hands looked just like my mom's hands. And I think I was probably nine or 10, maybe. And that was kind of the first thing. And I remember like leaving the room and sitting there looking at my hands, Mm. you know, like, okay, where did my hands come from? So that was, I kind of then just moved on, was very, very connected to my mother. Were you still in LA or had you? Oh, no. My parents divorced when I was two. And then a stepfather, my mom remarried and we moved to Missouri. So that's really where I grew up in Missouri. And every summer I would, my brother and I would fly out and visit my dad and my stepmom. So that was kind of my California connection, which is where we've been for 20 some years. And then our home base, my husband and I is both Missouri. We can have a group podcast party when you visit the different states because we're all in the same three states. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So kind of, you know, went through started playing basketball in high school and that kind of became my release. I was very introverted, very shy, quiet, very attached to my mother, but that was kind of, you know, that was kind of it and basketball. So I'm a college freshman at Rice University in Houston, Texas, and I'm playing division one basketball, just trying to make it. Honestly, that was my life. And I get a phone call. I was in my dorm room and I got a phone call from this guy and it was so interesting. And he said, he said, hi, I'm doing, I'm doing some research on your family background and just wanted to kind of touch base on some of your relatives. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. And I said, man, you really need to talk to my grandfather. He's super involved in this. And so we chat for a few minutes. And then the last thing he asked me, he said, now you're a blood relative, right? That's an interesting question. That was a private investigator. Oh. oh, finding out if I knew I was adopted. Then the coy back ended way, ah. in a roundabout way. So I didn't what know this. Heck? I didn't know any not. of this. I said, "Oh no, no, I'm adopted. No, I'm adopted." But you're telling really everything, to, right? 
Right, right, exactly. You need to talk to my grandfather. Da, da, da. That's it. That's the end of the conversation. So I go home, probably for Thanksgiving, maybe. I don't remember exactly, but I go home. I'm in Missouri with my mom, and my mom is kind of acting kind of weird. And we stay after church one day, and she's talking to the pastor. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, my birth mother had hired a private investigator. I had just turned 18 and found my dad and my stepmom. And then they met her to kind of verify. Oh, they met her in person? They met her in person. And I think my dad knew that my mom, like, we're not going to disrupt this if this isn't real. And they knew as soon as she walked in, uh, my dad and stepmom were like, oh, yeah, that has to be Charity's. So your dad met with her prior to the private investigator calling you? I think after they find out. So they find out that I know I'm adopted. Then they reach out to my parents. Okay, okay. First, before telling me, because I didn't know that that was what was happening. I just thought someone was doing research, right? Like a a story on you or something as a freshman basketball player. Maybe, maybe. I don't really know. And you're young, like we're so naive when we're young. I I was like, you know, I'm adopted. Okay, no (laughs) problem. So, well, now they know. So they reach out to my dad. She's in California. My dad's still in California. So that's the first connection. Then they call my mom. Well, my mom just freaks yeah. out. And who, who called your mom? The um, private investigator and or your I, father? It might have been my dad. Yeah. I would imagine that was my dad. Now, I don't know that for sure. It does sound like, I mean, this was a good way to handle it. Louise, was it yeah. you who they said you were found? <laughs> that right? was not the good way to handle it because no. I, thank God I knew I was adopted. You've been found. I'm like... I'm glad I know I'm adopted because this would have really blown up my life. Horrible. And so when I heard your story, I thought to myself, wow, I mean, at least somebody had some, at least they asked in that way. Well, and then they went to your parents. Yes. yes. First. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And so I didn't know what to do, but I felt like, okay, I need to, maybe I should meet her. So I don't even know when all this happened, but I fly to California she and her husband come to my dad's house and my dad and stepmom are there. Maybe my brother, because I think so, my brother was at Pepperdine. So he drove down. So your first reunion was with all these people. Yes. Yeah. Had yeah. you talked to her on the phone? No. 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 Old turkey. I mean, because you are technically an adult at this point. You could have made those choices for yourself. I mean, say so it is kind of like. I don't know. Involving the adoptive parents seems strange, but I don't know. Anyway. Well, I just think they, they wanted it to be somewhere. They, Mm -hmm. me, maybe wanted it to be somewhere where I was safe and I was surrounded by my known, right. I'm at my dad's house. It's comfortable. They're there with me. This sounds terrible, but I don't remember a lot about that first meeting. I I think that's normal. It's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't remember much other than looking at her and kind of knowing, yeah, okay, I definitely look like her. So I go back to Rice and I'm playing basketball. And her and I have now talked about this, but she came on very strong. You know, she flew out and and wanted to spend more time. And I don't remember all the details. I just remember automatically I just put up these massive walls and I just wasn't ready. I mean, I just wasn't ready to, I'm trying to just go to school and play basketball. Like that's all that I'm focused on right now. And so I know, and I said to her now, I know that I've, 
hurt you a lot during that time because I just I just remember the first time that her and I went to dinner like she was just crying and I just remember sitting there like oh I, I don't can know this feel person. this while you're talking I know Sarah has this is I mean you were young to deal with this too what yeah. were the circumstances of your birth and relinquishment these are cool things now that are kind of coming all around together so Michelle was my birth mother, is my birth mother. There's some cool stories in here. She was a performer, a singer in Vegas, Reno, Palm Springs. Like she was kind of went for here for a couple of weeks, went there. And she and Richard, my birth father, began a relationship. He was, I want to say 18, 15, 18 years older than her. And I think they had a relationship for a long time. And how old was she? She was 18. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, 18, 19 ish. They have a relationship for a total of about 11 years. So it wasn't like a fling and she gets pregnant and everybody tells her, you know, basically to have an abortion to figure out a way like you don't need this. You can't do this. Had no support from her family. When she gave birth to me, she was very, and again, I have so much now admiration and respect for what she did because she was so strong in, no, I am doing this. I am saving this child. I'm having this baby. It took her three months to decide to give me up. Like she didn't want to, but she was single. She knew that it wasn't long-term with Richard. She didn't feel like that was a good situation for raising a child. So she gives me up. She has me. Nobody comes to visit her in the hospital. Mm. I mean, it, it's so alone. Yeah. And, you know, as I find out later, and I'll kind of come back to this later, but it took her three months to make that decision and she didn't want to do it. And so she was literally waiting for my 18th birthday. She's laying there and this is this is her story to tell, but it also is me. So I'll just say it. So I was laying there in her arms. Okay. And she hadn't decided. And, you know, she's a Christian and she was just praying and She said, you know, Lord, if I give this baby up, you have to promise me that you'll bring her back into my life. And she said at that moment, I opened my eyes and just like stared at her. And she knew in her heart and she gets really emotional when she tells that story because that's to her just God being so faithful to her and bringing me back into her life. So that was her confirmation in her mind that, yes, you know it's, it's okay. Give her up. And, and then so, it's not really okay not to interrupt, but it's, you know, my bio, bio mom went through a lot of this too. Like, I think it dramatically impacted her in oh, a way. She, of course. Yeah. I mean, from what I've heard, you know, like she had this decision, but then later, like what, a, you know, I think she never had any more children. It was the one thing in her life that was just I don't, I don't know the words. I don't know the words other than to say, I know it was earth shattering for her. Mm-hmm. She sends me after kind of, I kind of did this like backup. I need my space. I'm not ready for this for probably 15, 20 years. It was just very, you know, birthday cards, uh, Christmas cards, you know, Wait, hey, I don't want to interrupt. Something is like gnawing at me. You were with her for three months. I was in foster care for. Three oh, months. okay. For yep, some I'm, reason, I'm, I thought she had you for three months, and then would no, have been a significant that, amount of time to. Yes, that's a great. I just rushed over that. Yeah, I was. 
I was immediately taken. The state of California was an adoption through the state of California, put into foster care for three months while she was making that final decision and signing the papers. That's my understanding. Okay. So then, you know, I get to my parents and they divorce shortly after, and then I end up in Missouri. So let's see, where are we now? So So now you're, it's like birthday cards and holidays and and you're living your life and I'm living my life. Yes. I'm living my life, not thinking anything about anything. I'm a happy person. Life is good. Grateful for so many things, keeping in touch with her. Great. You know, but nothing other than that. And I think what kind of really jump-started everything that has happened in the last like nine months. So I told you, I think I was saying I had coached at LMU for nine years, women's basketball, end up resigning from that position, just, you know, COVID. And there was so much, I was just exhausted. So that's a whole nother story. I get hired at Point Loma Nazarene, which is in San Diego. Okay. Mm-hmm. My dad and my stepmom are in San Diego. My brother that I grew up with is in San Diego with his family. My sister, who is my half sister, my dad and my stepmom's kids, she's in San Diego. So San Diego was kind of a second home for me. I had coached at UC San Diego for five years. So we had been in this area and it just seemed like, man, this might be a perfect fit. It's a faith base. That's wonderful. It's Mm -hmm. vision two. It's maybe more a little bit of life balance. And anyway, so long story short, I get hired at Point Loma. I'm so excited because my dad had gotten to the point where he wasn't really healthy enough to drive to LA to watch games. I was just really excited. He could literally, you know, 10 minutes, he's coming to watch games and we could kind of go out together because he was always my biggest basketball fan. Well, I'm here for about three months and he gets sick. He's in the hospital. He comes home. He goes back in the hospital. Long, long story short, he passes away last October 10th. Hmm, so I'm this, sorry. So that just started this process of me really assessing, learning, because it crushed me. Yeah. It literally crushed me. And I didn't understand why it was crushing me so much. So I'm sitting with this, trying to understand why, like, and I mean, we were close, but I don't feel like this. Like, I don't, I don't attach. I'm pretty strong. And I'm like, why did this just crush me the way that it did? And so that kind of started me thinking and doing some research on, I started kind of getting into the adoption community and understanding and learning about, I just kind of realized he was one of a very few people in my life that like I bonded with in a way that I just don't have a lot of those. And so it really, really affected me. Well, in the middle of all of this, so I'm grieving, you know, my dad, I get a message from my birth mother that my birth father, who they've stayed in contact, they each went separate ways, each remarried, you know, he had kids, she never did, but they had always stayed in touch. She would always keep him kind of connect, like knowing what was going on with me, but I never really had this 
And you did you meet him back no, when you I, were 18? I did not. She was filling him in on the side. Yes. About you. And for some reason, and I think just because I was so, I pushed her back so much that I think, and I never went there. Like, I don't need anybody else. Yeah. Whatever. Tell me the little bits and pieces. Okay. That's enough. Yeah. I get it. She reaches out and says, Charity, I just want you to know Richard's not doing great. He's 80 ish. She said, so if you would ever want to consider meeting him, we might want to think about that. And she said, I would be happy to go with you. He's, he lives up Sacramento area. She's outside of Palm Springs. So it would be an easy trip kind of. And I just sit with it for a while. And I think, and this is kind of how I do things. I just like, I power through things like, okay, things I need to do check power mm-hmm. through. Don't think about <laughs> it. Don't worry about it. So we make this plan and I, Michelle had not flown in like 15 years. And so I being now coming around to being an adult, recognizing all that she has done. I want to at least try to be open. She's respected all of my wishes, my boundaries. She is not push. She's stayed in the background, you know, and I had seen her just occasionally when I was a senior in college, we made it to the final four and the final four was happened to be played in LA, which that's another crazy thing. So she and her husband came to the game and I don't think I saw her at that time, but I had seen her off and on, you know, we'd have a dinner like every maybe seven years or something. It was very, very sporadic. And I was always very closed. And I'm guessing painful for her. I'm sure it was very, very painful for her. So we arrange. And again, I just say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to power through it. I'm going to meet Michelle. We're going to fly up together. We got to drive. We're going to do it. I'm going to meet Richard. We're going to fly back home. I'm going to drop her off. I'm going to go home. Boom. (laughs) Done in a day. I'm done. Right. Cause this is what I, I can do this. I can do this. I feel like we're the same person when we're talking. I'm like, God, this is me. This is how I operate, but go ahead. Yes. We just do what we do have it. to do. So no emotions uh, will be attached no, to this because no, Monday morning I have to do this. That's exactly right. <laughs> I literally yeah. said, and I told my, I'm not thinking about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's Wednesday night charity. You're going tomorrow. I know, but that's tomorrow. I'm not thinking about it now. Yeah. So I drive up, we meet at the airport. And, you know, I give her a hug and, and this is me and I'm a person of faith and she's a Christian and I'm a Christian. And so we started the day with a prayer. I just said, let's just pray because this is a big day. I've matured significantly right in my 20 some years of <laughs> pushing her off. So we pray, we just start the day we're walking through just, okay, things are going good. And I'm just watching her, how she interacts with people and I just see this kind person. I see her just being so friendly and warm and kind. And I'm sitting back and I'm just observing. And then we go in and we're going to get some snacks and she gets cinnamon gum. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my flavor. Like cinnamon gum. That's my thing. Peanut M&Ms. Oh my gosh, that's my thing. Diet Coke. Oh my gosh, that's my thing. (laughs) And for the first time, I'm seeing some things that are like, this has never happened to me before. This has never happened to me before. I hate onions. Oh my gosh, I can't stand onions. Stupid stuff. It's yeah. stupid stuff, but it was like, 
<sighs> wow. So, yeah. and this isn't stupid stuff. This is, it's all those years you didn't connect with her. You didn't even know, but this is like, I yeah. don't know what the, what the word is, but where you're like, oh, okay. My people. She's a real person. We fly together. And for the first time in every, all the times that we've seen each other, and it hasn't been more than a handful of times, but, oh, okay. Let me just back up a few minutes. So a couple of days before we went on this trip, I texted her and I said, I just don't want this to be weird. Like, can we not be awkward? And she texted me back and she said, let's just be ourselves. I literally think we both went into it. Let's just enjoy this day. She said to me, we're going on adventure. Let's just make this an adventure together. So I'm riveted with the stories now. I'm starting to hear she's talking about her time as a singer. I'm hearing more about Richard. I'm hearing about their relationship. I'm I'm just finding all these things out. And really for the first time in my life, I'm kind of like, tell me more. How did you feel about that? Like that had to be so hard when you were, you know, by yourself and working, I think at Denny's or working, like trying to just survive. And I'm listening with a very open, compassionate heart. Which, Your walls had come down. Mm. Yeah. I never allowed myself to feel that or be that or experience that. So not only do we fly, then we have like an hour and a half drive and we're just talking the whole time and it's very comfortable, which was just unbelievable to me. So we drive up to his little house and, you know, we walk in and they had not seen each other since I want to say 92. I mean, I was going to ask that. That must have been kind of for her too. It's a thing. So her husband had passed away like two years ago. You know, that was devastating for her. Um, Richard was now single as well. And so we go in and he's on oxygen and he's not well physically, but he's very sharp, very sharp, very funny. And literally, as soon as we sit down, it just becomes this very, comfortable. I'm listening to them reminisce about people and stories and they're telling me how they met and all of it was kind of surfacey, but I'm just soaking it all in. And I'm, you know, he's got his son and he's like, oh my gosh, you guys have the same personality. So then it gets to, well, tell me about the day I was born. And, and he just jumped up and, or not, he didn't jump up, but he started just perked up and was like, oh yeah, I was there. And they wouldn't let me into the room with Michelle, but I was standing in the hallway, hallway. So Richard was in the hallway outside of Michelle's room, and he distinctly remembered when they wheeled me by. So they take me from Michelle, they mm. wheel me through, and he said to me, and this, you guys will appreciate this, he said, I saw you, and I've thought of that baby every single day of my life. Mm. I mean, just those words yeah. were unbelievable. Like, and just hearing that they did love each other and, you know, Richard was the life of the party. And, and I think, you know, there was an alcohol problem potentially. And I think that he was kind of a mess at the time, perhaps, you know, and he was also there when she went three months later and signed the papers. He went with her and was a part of that. So I don't know why it meant so much to me knowing that he was a part of that and that always acknowledged having a daughter out there. Did his kids know? Uh, no. Oh, no. 
And there's a whole nother, like, where is this going now kind of thing of, you know, through some DNA, I have been now connected with his sister and a cousin who come to find out has been coaching high school track for 30 years. I mean, again, and and this is right. (laughs) Genetics. Like, so my family who I adore, right. I hate to say this, but not an athletic family loved, loved, like supported me. My dad was like the biggest basketball fan you could ever possibly imagine. But, you know, none of my siblings were super athletic and then, you know, finding things out. So, I mean, these are the things that just, I like genetics. It struck me as you were telling your story about going with your biological mom, Michelle up there and meeting him. I have an older brother as well, who's not adopted. And I always watched him with my parents. I mean, he's a a twin of my parents and, Mm, you know, you're just, but he's my brother. I love him, but he always knew his story and the family story in the background. And Sarah has that too. And relaxing with her and being yourself and meeting him, you're hearing your birth story, right? This is your story. Yeah. You're on the earth. And it's like, we don't acknowledge that. It just hits me because I have similar things, but it's it's like, we have a story too. how we're here, who we are. And it's okay to, want to know that and to be healed a little bit from Mm -hmm. hearing it. You were born out of love, regardless if they could figure it out. So we ended the day we were together for maybe two and a half, three hours before we had to drive back and fly back. And we all stood there kind of in awe of how amazing the day had been and how, even though we were all very, very nervous about it, we just felt this peace and healing is the only word I can say is it just was healing. And then to just to continue to find out more about, you know, so Richard's uncle, he had two uncles. One of them was on the the USA hockey (laughs) team. And then the other one was a USC football player. And he still called the noblest Trojan of them all. Oh yeah. Wow. I didn't know who that is. (laughs) His last name is Jury. Mm -hmm. So it's, Anyway, jury award and stuff. He's pretty famous. Yeah. Are you serious? (laughs) That's so crazy. You're serious. Yeah. At at USC. There's an award that I think freshmen get. There's something in the football world, the jury, something that's, that's my (laughs) great uncle. Well, and this speaks to volumes of who you've, what the life path you've chosen. Isn't that just, it's unbelievable. It's like, so, and again, I, love my family. And we all sit there and we say, we love our family. Like we love our family, but this has been so. You can, you can have both though. That's the thing about adoption and your scenario when just having this adoptee, always having to take care of everybody else's feelings and the pain, you know, like we were speaking about earlier of your mom's the miscarriage, and then you're the bandaid for that. And without her having dealt with those issues, you're expected to keep status quo. So it isn't fair to adoptees. We can have both. We can coexist, have feelings for our adoptive family, but want to be part of our biological family. It's totally normal. It's well said, Sarah. It's taken a lot of people a lot of time to feel that too. Like I have, it's hard. And Charity, you are kind of, like you said in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Of this process, really, you know, I mean, for me too, it wasn't until we started 
the podcast and reading mm-hmm. the primal wound and journey of the adopted yes. self of like, Hey, wait a minute. I'm allowed. Yeah. Those books were mind blowing to me. And I mean, you know, I've always just thought I'm a very private person. I'm very serious, very focused, very goal driven. You know, it was my faith, it was school and it was basketball. And I was a straight A student. I was, I was everything. I was the perfect child. As you don't have to allow feelings. You don't have to have feelings get into that. (laughs) No, there's no need for feelings. There's There's no need. I'm an overachiever like that. Yeah. And that has been me. And I think my dad's passing brought emotions to the forefront of charity. There's a lot inside of you. You've just pushed down for so long and you just check the box. You just power through. You don't think about how you're feeling. You just go, go, go. You achieve, achieve, achieve. And so hearing that other adoptees, and it's really the first time that I've ever realized that this is not about charity. This is about adoptees feel this way. And there's a reason that we feel this way because of what we've been through for three months. I literally, and and I don't let myself go here very often, but what was happening during those three months for me? Yeah. Was somebody picking me up? Was somebody, or did I just cry? And maybe it was a great experience, but then, so maybe I attached to that person. They're gone. Yep. I was in foster care too. So I know back in the 60s, and this is so horrible because I wonder if it happened to me, but they gave phenobarb mm. to babies to make them not cry so that they could be more adoptable. Presentable when you come to see them. Or not when you necessarily come to see them, but just when they get into mm. the new home, mm-hmm. you know. I've been told, oh, you never cried. You were a great baby. And me too. Yeah. Me too. And then it, when I heard these stories about phenobarb in the 60s, I was like, I bet you I was phenobarb baby, which would also explain my penchant for substances as I got older, you know. There's so many layers to everything that was wrong about the system of adoption. I don't know. I look back and I say, look, I I had a family that loved me and loves me, right? They're wonderful. I did have a conversation with my stepmom. This was amazing. A couple of weeks ago, because I knew this was coming. I knew it was coming out. It's like, I talked to my brother and that was it. And my brother was like, I never knew you felt any of that. Yeah. That's my brother. My brother doesn't listen to our podcast. He's like, what? what? He, he <laughs> but, was like, but he's, he's open. You know what? He's mm. like, I want you to be happy. And, and that was, that was my brother. And they don't I, know we feel that way because it's their family story that, and you're in it. You're their yeah, little sister. Yes, yes. We're supposed to only feel grateful. They're getting the story from above, right? They yeah, were kids yes, too. Yes, so that's right. I yeah. go out to eat with my stepmom and I said, Rachel, I just need to tell you what's been happening. There's been a lot going on. And I told her basically this whole story. And I was worried because we're still very protective of my dad. And I didn't want her to think that, you know, me meeting Richard had anything to do. I just, you know, again, I feel bad. (laughs) And she was amazing. And she said, Charity, she listened and she had these big eyes like, oh my goodness. And she goes, Charity, I want you to know this is from your dad and me. Your dad would want nothing more than for you to be happy and to know more and to learn more. And he would be supporting this endeavor a hundred percent. And that was, 
That's big. I mean, obviously, she's not my official mother, but she's been in my life since I was six. Like she, and for her to acknowledge that was good. really, really good for her. Yeah, that was big. That was big. You've got siblings out there and they yeah, don't know about you. Your next. Yeah, I think there's more to come. Do they know I, about you now? Yes. Oh, oh. now they do. Okay. Now, but okay. only a few, like, I think right after. But I, no reaching out or anything. No, there's more to come. And this is kind of where we started at the very beginning. We were saying, sometimes you can only handle so much. Yes. And I'm so much still processing, mm-hmm. you know, grief from losing yeah. my dad, all of those feelings that got stirred up to, okay, now I'm trying to be open with Michelle. I'm trying to, because my natural inclination is just like, nope, thank you. Yeah. No, don't need, don't need, don't need. So I'm really trying to be open. I'm trying to, you know, have communication occasionally with Richard, you know, I don't know. I don't know where the story it takes goes. Time. It takes time. And it's interesting that you say don't need, don't need, you know, that we get that yes. as adoptees that we aren't allowed really to have our own needs. We're there to fill other people's needs. We're there to fill the parents' needs because they were lacking in some way. And so and we aren't allowed. We aren't allowed. We aren't allowed. And that is my career choice is one of, I've got 15, 16 kids on my team that, Mm -hmm. that need. And, and so my, my core is always about trying to take care of other people. And I think I'm now trying to process myself a little bit. And what do I do with all of this stuff and feelings and It's sitting with it. When you were speaking mm. of your father, when my father died, I had the same experience. I think he mm. was one of the people in my life I very much bonded with. Yes. Yes. And and my mother passed recently too, actually, and oh. devastated by both. But I felt this release recently. I was telling Sarah that I'm allowed, like my father would be proud of me. Mm. I'm allowed to look. I'm allowed to be. That was a big wake up call for me too. It was the first kind of grief like that. And I still have it. My mom died more recently, but I still have it more about my father. It comes Mm. up all the time. And I think it's because the person I attached to, Mm. but I didn't ever put it in words till I've done all this reading and all these things. And so it's going to take time for you. It just takes time for all of us. Really? We're all still going through it. Sarah and I talk about it all the time layers, right? And a lot of layers. people listen to this and appreciate it because they're in the process of where you are. Yeah. Everybody's in, in their different stages. And somebody was saying, I can't remember like the different places that it happens for adoptees, you know, often like when you have children or then in your fifties, when you're kind of, it's kind of a version of maybe a midlife mm. crisis yeah. in yeah. a way, you know, yeah. that you, so healing time. Please stay in touch and keep us posted with your journey. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you guys, sometimes I enjoy the conversation that you guys have as much, if not more than some of the stories, because I think it's, you guys are really insightful and you're pulling things out. And I feel like almost every episode I can relate to something. Some of the adoption stories we really connect with and others were like, oh, huh. That's even, you know, I mean, you think about an international 
or interracial. Like there yeah. are so many more layers that I did. I can't even go there in my yeah. mind. So it's I appreciate such a learning. I feel honored to be part of the community, mm. even meeting you and Sarah and I have met just amazing people. And it makes us feel honored. People are like, I'm so excited to be on the podcast. I'm like, oh, we're so excited you're on the podcast. Honestly, <laughs> it's the opposite for us. It's a great community. A it really su- is. A supportive community. Supportive. Everybody shares this core wound, you know, that you can't, that you go through life and it's not relatable to anybody. And then you meet adoptees yes. and like, oh my God, we all feel the same now. I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm not out there by myself. Not it's crazy. not me. It's not <laughs> yeah. me that is so wounded. It's us that have gone through something. And that is so life affirming just in and of itself, knowing that it's not me, Charity, who's the only one that struggles with attachment or bonding or mm-hmm. connecting, right? And and I do think like we are able to still become very well-adjusted people and adults. Mm -hmm. Like I feel very healthy. I feel very strong, but I also know that there's another layer in there that, man, if I can just understand this a little bit better about myself, then maybe I can love better. Maybe I can give even more in a better, deeper way, because now it's coming from a place of healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I do too. This has been such a pleasure having you. It really has. Getting to know you and hearing your story. I really thank you so much for coming on and for being patient with the rescheduling. And oh, no problem. Open I, and I appreciate you guys. And do I get to meet you when you're in Missouri? I hope <laughs> I would love that. Where are you? You're in St. Louis. Where are you? I'm in you? Kansas City. Oh, you're in Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, it's a couple hours from Springfield. Yeah, most of the time we fly into either Tulsa or Kansas City. Oh, good. So okay. If we fly, oh my into gosh, Kansas you City, have to get together. That would be so fun. That would <laughs> yes. be so. And and you're up in oh, San Luis Obispo, but I'm in LA all the time. So if you just send us your schedule because we'll find you and come to at least a game or oh, something. How fun would that be? That like, would be that the coolest. That would be so great. Sarah and, I, Sarah and I need to get together. Like, yes, we've, we've been you, like, how do we get there? So we could like come and do a game together. Go to LA. We play at Cal State LA this year. I think we play. I mean, and there's a couple of schools, Azusa Pacific, Biola. Like those are all my kind son of and his girlfriend live 10 minutes from Cal State LA. I could stay with them. Sarah could stay with them too. You, <laughs> I kicked them out Sarah, of the room. Sarah, you got to come to LA. I know. I need to I'll, go visit. <laughs> I'll send you the schedule and that would be, it'd be so fun. It'd That'd be, so be great. Fun. Well, this oh, has been man. amazing. Well, thank you both. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And again, thank you for what you're doing for all of us. Thank, thank you, you, Charity. Yeah. Thanks a Bye. lot. Bye. 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 Well, Charity is just cool people. She really is just so heartfelt. Yeah. <sighs> Really, truly kind of at the beginning of this whole process. In listening to her, I felt almost taken back to the beginning of our process. Uh-huh. And so I can hear her wheels turning and her, you know, feel what she's going through almost because it was so recent. And I just want her to allow like grace in her life, like for herself, deep breath and take care of yourself through this because it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, having to you're still kind of dealing with taking care of everyone else's feelings. Yeah. So that's a hard hamster wheel to get off of. It it's is. hard to step off of that. 
And as she said in her job, she takes care of people Mm -hmm. and she's that person and she's the handler and the overachiever. And, you know, I just, I like how honest she is. She's cracked me up. We had a great conversation prior, which I enjoyed Yes. Yes. I really, really like her and want to go see her game. Let's do it. Yes. I need to come visit. (laughs) Well, I'm going to ask you, what do we say? What do we say? We say another great episode. (laughs) Another great episode. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.